uh, to start our day, uh, to gather man on this beautiful springtime morning. We have an action-packed, wonderful service today. Of course, we are baptizing a whole bunch of people here at the end of the service, and also tonight, and uh, we're just really, really excited about this. So anyway, can we go ahead and stand up together today? Amen. We're going to open up by speaking some words of faith over the United States of America. And we're going to keep believing together that our nation is coming to Jesus. Can we get an amen today? All right. Let's say this together. Father, we come to you in Jesus' name and in unity. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord over the United States of America. We declare that righteousness, mercy, justice, and judgment from you shall prevail. We declare that America will complete her God-given mission to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. We push back the darkness of Satan from this nation and call for the light of Jesus Christ to invade the media and every home, church, and school, and every town, city, and state of this great nation, the United States of America. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord some praise again. Alright, well we're going to take a few minutes here to go around and do a little meet and greet time. And uh, just make sure you find somebody, give them a nice hug, fist bump, handshake, whatever, you know it is. Uh, but just make sure everybody gets a little love today, amen? Let's go!
But you know when you have a faith dream and you just believe God for it, and it seems like, my gosh, that's never going to happen because of the picture in front of you. But you just hang on to what God told you and you just keep believing God, just speak in the word. And then one day it just happens. And the soundboard and the sound panels and the sound just in general has been the Coleman family's faith dream. And it's so precious to me for the body of Christ to have someone that, you know, I mean, when you walk into this place, you don't look at the outlet receptacles. You don't think about the light switches. But when God places someone in the body and they notice something and God tells them, hey, I want you to pray about that. Hey, I want you to care about that. And they do. And they stick it out in faith with you. Man, it's just absolutely priceless. So this soundboard and the sound and the hours that Pastor Josh and some of our teenagers and Tom and Chuck have all put in to all of this is because they know how cool it is that Jesus showed up to answer that prayer. So it really is a huge, huge ordeal. So praise God for that. Praise God. And thank you to all of you who climbed under this platform for hours. <laughs> it's a big, big blessing. So today is a really busy day. So hold on to what I'm about to say. Of course, baptisms, both services today, this morning and this evening as well. We've got lots this morning and a few this evening, right? A handful, which is cool because we didn't used to do Sunday night baptisms, but baptisms tonight as well. Jam and Jam Jr. are both together in Victory Hall. They're having a movie day because it's the fifth Sunday. So they are just partying with Jesus over there. You're going to pick them up in here because they're coming for baptisms. True story? Okay. So all of your kids are going to be together over here. They won't release them until you bring your sticker and you come over to the teacher. Okay. So don't just snatch your children. We don't do child snatching around here. No, no, no. So, bring your sticker. They will be at this front row over here. Thank you, Jesus. They will be at this front row over here. Hallelujah. And you can just pick up your kids from here. Uh, after service and after baptisms and after you've gotten your kids. about this, but he's going to be all like professional right now. 
churchy. Anyway, but I'm going to tell you, oh my gosh, we're excited about Thursday. And Thursday, you're going to be here, okay? Here, here, here on Thursday. And we're going to take communion as the body of Christ in all of Barstow. Okay, it's going to be really awesome. I do need to tell you this, though. Examine your heart before you come, okay? So we don't flippantly take communion because you know around here it's a serious thing. Okay? So examine your heart before you come. Make sure you're not in unforgiveness. Make sure you've made peace with your neighbors. And then you can come and we'll take communion as a whole city and pray. Oh, I thought you had your own mic. <laughs> All right, very good. So, anyway, yes, I do just want to again uh, remind you yes, Thursday is the National Day of Prayer, and we're hosting it right here at High Desert Work Center. So, every church in Barstow has been invited. We've got at least probably 12 or 13 churches that are confirmed going to be here together with us. And uh, it's going to be incredible. I, I'm, uh, I'm, we're hosting it. I'm the president of the Barstow Ministerial Association. So I'm just going to MC. I'm not going to do any of the praying or any of that, but I've got all these other pastors that are going to come in and be leading prayers. And uh, like she said a minute ago, we are taking communion together as an entire city. And from what all the other guys have told me, this hasn't happened in several decades. So this is a huge moment of love and unity and faith for the city of Barstow. And so I am requesting that every High Desert Word Center person be here Thursday night at 7. Who's going to tell me that they're going to be here Thursday night at 7? All right, all right, very good. All right, be here and spread the word on social media. And uh, it's just going to be a powerful moment of faith and unity for Barstow. Be here. It's going to be great. All right. And I'll let Pastor Candy finish the announcements now. Amen. I don't like that you didn't like, you know, can you just... Oh my gosh, what is that? Praise Jesus. Okay, we got shofars and pastor Dave dancing. I don't even know what's happening here. After the National Day of Prayer, Saturday is men's meeting, okay? And you can all go be like that together, okay? Uh, what, what am I supposed to say? Breakfast, Bibles, and bros. That's their motto, right? Breakfast, Bibles, and breakfast. And then, ladies and gentlemen, so our Lyft Group director, Ms. Rosalinda Palakiko, who I can't see right now. Okay, back her over here. Um, she helps coordinate and just make sense of all our Lyft groups and make sure that um, we are providing support to those people who are leading groups. Uh, she was talking to the Lord about just needing a community of people to deal with, you know, this health stuff in life and accountability and stuff. And he said, well, you should build one. So she did. And I've been talking to the Lord and the Lord was like, well, you know, you need to hold yourself accountable. Well, and then he sent Rosalinda to hold me accountable. So 7 a.m. on Saturdays. It is going to be health his way. Okay, so biblical health lift group. We're going to do 20 to 30 minutes of, uh, of walking and a Bible study. Okay, so it's going to be wonderful. And this is your chance. So don't go home and say, don't have any self-discipline. You got Rosalinda's discipline. Okay, 7 a.m. Saturday mornings. Where are we meeting? Victory Hall. 7 a.m. Saturday mornings, Victory Hall. And the Mother-Son Banquet is coming. I'm so excited about that. So it's going to be a big old country breakfast. It's going to be so much fun. If you haven't signed up, please sign up at the information booth before you leave. You can pay by cash, check, or also by card.
to do that, but you need to pay because it's coming. So it's Saturday the 13th, and it is $6 for kids, $8 for adults. If you do not have a son, find one. Okay, I'm serious, or adopt one. Or if you're a son and your mom's not around, find a mom who you think needs adopted. Maybe her kids are all out of the house. That's why we call this a church family, you know what I'm saying? It'll be a really good time. Um, also, just a little bit of housekeeping business. Pretty please, could you do us a favor and keep your drinks in the coffee bar? Okay, if you're going to bring a water, that's okay, because when it spills, it doesn't look like you went potty under your seat. So, we don't want to clean the carpet under your seat, okay? So, please keep your drinks in the coffee bar. Don't sneak in soda in your Starbucks cups, because we know about you, okay? And keep in mind, we want to help and we want to take care of people who don't know any better, but you know better, you know what I'm saying? Okay. So, clean up after yourselves, or Robert's going to get you. Wave and smile, Robert. Okay, we joke about Robert being so mean. He's actually so nice. He just, I love you, Robert. Anyway, so, if you are with us for the very first time, or the first time in a long time, can you can you wave at me? Hi, friends. We just want to welcome you. Welcome, welcome. We love you. Miss Heather and Brian are going to bring you some information about the church and a card to fill out. And if you will return that card to her at the information booth after service, she has a gift for you. So that will be awesome. Also, Jordan Duvall. Could you come on up, sir? All right, very good. So this is Jordan. This is Miss Kathy's grandson. And he has been accepted and hired uh, for the police department at the Marine Base. And we're all really proud of him. Amen. And uh, he is at the ripe old age of 19, and they're getting ready to, uh, he's leaving uh, really tonight. Uh, they're, they're flying him out to Fort Leonard Wood, Missouri for Police Academy, and we want to pray over him. We know the Lord's with him because he said he'd never leave us or forsake us, uh, but we want the blessing of God to be upon him and for him to rise to the top and excel in this new venture and this great opportunity, amen? So let's go ahead and we're going to lay hands on him, and if you could, let's stand up together, guys. We want to surround this young man with our faith and our prayers, and we know that he is going to do nothing but succeed. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, for Jordan. And Lord, hey, he's a young man. We know that. But Lord, we know that he's ready for this opportunity, Lord. He is, he's, he's, uh, he's mature. Lord, he's smart. He's brave. And, and all those good qualities. But most of all, Lord, he has you in his life. And so we pray in Jesus' name that whatever he does, just like you promised Abraham, wherever he goes, whatever he sets his hand to, he is blessed at it. And he will rise to the top. We thank you that he is safe, that the angels of the Lord surround and protect him everywhere he goes, and that he's going to fulfill your call upon his life, Lord. And Lord, just let you know that we are all proud of him, and our faith and our prayers are with him, and he is going to rise to the top and succeed. We thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, amen. All right, everybody. Let's give the Lord some praise. Amen. Amen. Let's go ahead, and I'm going to have Pastor come on up this morning. You can be seated today, and we're going to do our Sunday morning tithes and offerings. 
And so we like to call that happy time around here because we like to uh, be cheerful givers. And also, Pastor's going to be doing our special offering for Honduras today. And uh, that's why we've been reminding you about that for the last couple of weeks. So, amen. It's going to be a really, really good one here. Hallelujah. Somebody say, glory to God. Glory to God. Amen. Let, let me tell you something about sound systems. Back, back when I first started pastoring years ago, uh, sometimes our sound system would mess up. And what it did, a lot of times we had a heavy anointing in the church. People, God was there blessing people. And when something like that happens, if you shift to laughing mode, joking mode, you run the anointing out. That's just remember that. As, 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 as seasoned Christians, most of you, the anointing is the most important thing in the service with the Word of God. And so if somebody starts cackling laughing, if the sound messes up during the season of working on it, do your best just to stay spiritual and don't laugh and joke about it. Because if you do, you're going to cause the anointing to leave. And we come here to get people's lives changed. Amen? And so that's just kind of things I learned by experience. It was a terrible thing. But our sound messed up and all of a sudden, there goes the anointing. And then people couldn't receive what God wanted for them. So just always stay spiritual. And recognize sometimes things happen, but don't let them be a distraction. Amen? Amen or oh me? Amen. All right, I want you to open your Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And uh, as a matter of fact, tonight I'm going to be teaching on transitioning from the world to God's system of economics. How many know there's a difference between the way God handles money and what you do compared to how the world does it? And uh, I, I made a statement the main devotional pastor Dave said don't talk long so I won't but just gotta throw a couple of things out to you. In the main devotional we're teaching about families. And there's different topics that concern families that made devotional. One of them's about money. Their money troubles is one of the biggest problems to destroy marriages, is fights about money. And anyway, I just think about 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 a nugget God gave me in that devotional was this talk about people who live off borrowed money. How many know the borrowed money gets you in trouble? And so the Holy Ghost gave me this statement. I put it there and just keeps resonating in my heart that rich people never got rich by living off borrowed money. And people who live off borrowed money never get rich. Hey man, that's just, that's just something to think about. But God's system of economics is totally opposite of the world's way. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. And this is, this is God's way in financing. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly. He which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. And let's talk about people that, 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 are, that are givers, that give us a lifestyle. They live that way. They're just always ready to give. And I'm not talking about church offering necessarily, but that too. But just being people that are giving people and not hoarding people because they live in fear that they'll never have enough. It says, every man, every person, according as it purposes in his heart. The difference between your heart and your head. When it comes to giving, a lot of times the Holy Spirit will move on your heart, but your head will talk you out of it. And again, I'm not just talking about churches. I'm talking about out there in the everyday world. Sometimes people have a need and you'll feel your heart. Oh, I can help them. And so then you talk yourself out of it, you listen to your head, you always try to live out of your heart. And so it says, according to the purposes of his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or necessity, 
for God loveth a cheerful giver. God wants you to recognize how his economy works. His economy runs off of sowing and reaping. And so you're cheerful. You're cheerful when you know that God has specifically, specifically spoken to you to bless somebody or give somebody. And at the same time, when you learn God's system, then you learn the difference between the need and the seed. And a lot of times, if what you have doesn't meet your need, then it must be a seed. And so if you sow the seed of faith, then God will meet your need. And so it says in verse 8, God is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always barely get along. You never know if you'll make it. It says in God's system, you'll have all sufficiency in all things to abound to every good work. God's system is to always have all sufficiency in all things. and talk about sowing and reaping. As it is written, he hath dispersed abroad. That's talking about giving. He hath given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. And so what he's saying there, dispersing abroad, we're talking about missions in just a, just a second. And so he's talking about giving in the missions, giving abroad, giving to other places. And then it says, Now he that ministers or gives seed to the sower, both minister seed or bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. So what this says is, God gives seed to the sower. God gives seed to the sower. And a lot of times people think, well, I have no seed. We'll say, Lord, I need some seed to sow. And he'll give you seed to sow. And so I want to tell you a little bit about our missions trip as you listen with your hearts. When we're going over there, we're going abroad. And people in these other countries don't have what America has. America is not rich because we're America. America is rich because originally America was pioneered by Christians. That wasn't a Christian nation. And I spent, I spent a day out at West Point last year. And Mrs. Pastor, I went all over West Point, spent the day out there just looking all over West Point. And we come to the military graveyard there. And we saw generals and high-ranking officers' graves from the Revolutionary War. And several of them had things like this on their grave, on their tombstone. This man did not want to be remembered as a great warrior, but as a Christian. This man was a Christian. And his, his, his soldiery was a call of God, he believed. So he did it to the best of his ability with the help of his Lord Jesus Christ. And said so that's what he wanted on his tombstone. We saw several of them like that. We saw a tombstone in the military graveyard. Has anybody ever heard the song, uh, Jesus Loves the Little Children, All the Children of the World? There was a lady officer there that on her said she wrote that song. Back in those days, Jesus Loves the Little Children. And so the reason America has been great is because America was a Christian nation and Jesus made it returning to our roots. And so, as we're going down to Honduras, we've been to Central America before as a church, a lot of us, in Nicaragua. But uh, in Honduras, we're going to go down there and we're going to an orphanage that Rod and Death Thiessen are the ones running down. If her, her mother and father pioneered this orphanage, we're going to go down there. There's little children down there already in a better place than just living out wild because we're the orphanage. But we're going to be teaching Sunday school things to them, Jesus things to them, skits, puppets, and other things with them. And then in addition to that, we're taking some men with us that are skilled tradesmen. And we're going to help rebuild some things. We're going to help make some new things to make life better down there. And then also we're going to do what we've done in Nicaragua. We're going to have some feeding stations. 
We're going to go around that part of Honduras taking food and drinks and things to the kids out there and the families. And I remember from Nicaragua, anybody's been with us knows what it's like. Those kids and those mothers lined up early for a bowl of soup. Somebody said a bowl of soup? Yeah, a bowl of soup. And a piece of bread or whatever they get. So anyway, when we're going down there, we're not going on vacation. We're going down there to take people, not only the gospel, but to take the love of Christ in action to show them what it's like to be a Christian. And some people, when they're in a place like that, they think that's because, well, you're from America, everybody in America is rich. Well, we're going to let them know it's not because we're from America. It's because Jesus wants you to see his love. Amen? So that's what we're doing. So as we receive our tithes and offerings in a minute, uh, the tithe in the Bible teaches you that that's for the local church. The tithe means the local church's needs, takes care of all the utilities, payments, salaries, and everything to keep your local church going. But then offerings are what we use for other areas of ministry to help other things. So we have about, I think we have about nine people right here, something like that, right? So about nine people going at our at our uh, our account. We started off with needed something like fourteen or fifteen thousand dollars, and already we're down to where we need about five thousand. So we've done pretty good already. And so and so today, after seeing these verses here for your own faith and God's system, as you sow bountifully, you reap bountifully. What you sow is what you reap. And I always think of it this way. In, the, in our mission field, I don't know if you know or not, but Barstow's a mission field. You're involved deeply, uh, all these little towns around here. We're all part of our region here. This is our mission field. We have a lot of people in our area here almost live like third world people. They're really in a lot of bad positions. We want to have more than enough to take care of our area, your families, people you know, people you meet that you want the church to help with the gospel, things like that. So as we sow as a church, we're going to reap as a church to have more than enough for our harvest field. Amen? And so we're believing God today that will knock this $5,000 out. And so whatever it is he puts on your heart, uh, you just saw it said, as you purpose in your heart, so let him give. And so if you don't, if you don't know in your heart something God wants you to do, it just purpose what can you do and just do something and the main thing is our church is going to reach this entire region how jesus wants us to we're getting the job done and then besides that we're going to help other people around the world amen amen so have you already got your stuff all made out can we give the envelopes out now this is robert somebody already told you this guy could be me he's coming after me now where's the ushers oh you're up the ushers Oh, this was a vicious thing, bro. He's actually a really nice guy. Really nice guy. Uh, amen. Amen. Uh, one, one, one quick old man joke, and then we'll pray. Uh, his last day was Valdez. And I saw an old Mexican cowboy show years ago, and I saw Sergeant Valdez, a really neat guy. But this is not that Sergeant Valdez. This is Robert. And he's really a good guy. Amen. Well, let's stand up, make our financial faith confession, and bring our tithes and offerings up. And how many agree in the name of Jesus that the needs of this mission trip are met today? Amen. Amen. All right, let's say this together. After bringing the Lord's tithe and giving offerings today, we believe we receive jobs or better jobs, promotions, raises and bonuses, benefits, missions, growth in business, settlements, estates and inheritances. 
interested in income, rebates and returns, checks in the mail, hits and surprises, finding money, bills paid off, debts paid off, raw to receive, blessings and equities. Thank you, Lord, for being all my financial needs so I have more than enough to take care of my family and get judgment in the kingdom of God. In Jesus' name, amen.
Let's raise our hands together today. Amen. Who in here today, you know what the answer is. Amen. That's Jesus. Hey, back when I was in school, if I knew the answer, I could raise my hand. Amen. If you know the answer today, raise your hand to Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. We know that you are the way maker, the miracle worker. You're the promise keeper. Lord, you never lie. And so we thank you that every promise from your word to us, it is yes and amen. And Lord, I pray today that as we are gathered here in your name, Lord, we're here in the name of Jesus. We're not here in my name. We're not here in somebody else's name. We're not here in the church name. We are here in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And Lord, we thank you that as we open our hearts to you, as we open our hearts to your word, you are going to speak to us. Lord, we understand that everybody in here may be facing a different situation, but it's the same answer to every problem, and the answer is Jesus Christ. And so we surrender to you today, and we say, have your way. Tell us, Lord. Tell us the truth. Tell us what we need to hear, not what we want to hear, so we can be better for you. And Lord, we know that the truth shall set us free. We praise you, and we raise your name high today, Lord. Have your way in Jesus' mighty name. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise together today? Amen. The Lord is good. And his mercy endures forever. Hallelujah. You may be seated this morning. Amen. Amen. Isn't it good to be together in the house of the Lord? Amen. You know, it's like my dad always says, I'd rather be here than the best hospital in all of Southern California. Amen. Hey, some of you can say amen to this. You'd rather be here than the best jail in all of California. Amen. Hey, don't, I mean, hey, it's okay. It's part of your testimony. Amen. All right. Well, we're going to get into the Word of God today, and I am super excited for this. Um, if you need an outline for the sermon, raise your hand, and the ushers will give you an outline to follow along with. A couple weeks ago, we started a new Sunday morning series called Grown Ups. Grown Ups. And uh, hey, I'm excited about this because we're talking about growing up spiritually. Growing up spiritually. Because if there's one thing that we've learned is that just because you maybe have years underneath your belt, you know, just because you may be uh, a grown up in this natural world, that doesn't equal spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity comes from when you start to know the Word of God and you start to do the Word of God. In fact, in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 22, it says somebody that hears God's Word but doesn't actually do it is a deceived person. And so uh, I've said this many times. We can have somebody that's been in church for 50 years and, you know, hey, we're thrilled for you. That's wonderful. But if you're not actually obeying the word of God, we can take one of the little children from upstairs and they may be more spiritually mature than you are. Because they, they may not know as much Bible, but they actually do the portion that they know, right? And so that's what we're going to talk about uh, over this next several weeks is growing up spiritually because we need some spiritual grown-ups in the body of Christ. And our entire uh, goal and purpose of 2023 is spiritual growth. And our theme verse, anybody know our theme verse for this year? Come on, what is this? Colossians 2.7. Does anybody know what it says? Amen. 
yeah. Let your roots grow down into him. Yeah, I like that. And let your faith grow strong in him. Let your lives be built on him. And that your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught. And you will overflow with thankfulness. And we know this much. You can only grow as high as your roots will allow. And there's a lot of people, they've got this, you know, hundred uh, story skyscraper vision for their life. But they don't want to take the time to lay the foundation for that. And so if you had this just wonderful thing poured out into your lap, it would cause you to collapse because you don't have the root system and you don't have the foundation to handle it. And I know that God wants to do some great big things in every life here. And so our goal, you know, we can't make those things happen in your life, but what we can do is help you to lay the foundation so when God does bless you, you can handle the blessing and not squander it. Who thinks that sounds like a pretty good deal right there? Yeah, that's a great deal. And so last week to kind of kick things off in our grown-up series, we talked about the number one step is to have a childlike faith. If you want to be a grown-up, you got to start off by having the faith of a child. And that sounds like an oxymoron, but what that really means is you actually believe God's word and you actually trust him. We're not trying to complicate that. We're just keeping it as simple as it is. Trust God. That's step number one. And so this week, as I'm praying about it, this is something the Lord kind of uh, showed me as a, a next step to our spiritual growth and being a, a big boy, being a big girl, is this, is grown-ups, mature people, they can handle the word no. They can handle the word no. And listen, there's a lot of times nobody enjoys the word no. You would, I mean, hey, I just wish that everything could constantly be a yes, but I know this much that when I am told the word no from God or from, you know, whoever else in my life, we're going to get into some of this, but an immature person blows up, melts down, runs away, and just gives up on everything because they got a no. And that's what an immature person does. But as you begin to grow as an adult, you know, who was like me? I, I thought growing up was going to be like, oh man, I'm going to grow up and I'm going to get everything I want. I'm going to do what I want to do. I'm going to tell myself yes all the time. Anyone else you thought? I mean, who in here? Let's just get transparent for a minute. Adulthood is not exactly what you had pictured when you were 10 years old. Amen? And I'll admit that there are some days that I wish I could go back to fifth grade where I thought life was like this and realize like, man, I was living the dream. I got a Lunchable and a juice box for lunch just handed to me every day. You know, somebody told me when to get up. They, they told me no. They told me it was just, it was incredible. And now as an adult, you've got to make some decisions for yourself. And we thought it was just going to be a dream come true. And then we realized, hey, there's a lot of responsibility that comes with the power to say yes or even more so, the power to say no. And I don't want to get ahead of myself in my sermon, but what we're talking about today is this, is as you grow up, you have got to be able to handle the word no. 
It can be a really good thing. And sometimes we don't know how good until we're a little bit further down the road. So let's pray and we're going to dig into God's word today. Amen. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much for who you are. And Lord, we were just singing, yes, you are the way maker, the miracle worker. You're the promise keeper. You are the light and the darkness. You are our God. And we thank you for all those things. But Lord, we also thank you that you love us enough to correct us. You love us enough to tell us the truth and to help us grow up so we can be everything that you want us to be and everything you've called us to be. Help us to have soft hearts to receive the word of God with gladness today. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, can everybody say amen? All right, let's talk about the word no. Grown-ups, spiritual grown-ups specifically, can handle the word no, number one, to themselves. That's going to be a quiet day because we're talking about this right now. But listen, if you're going to grow up and be mature, there's going to have to be a point in time where you have to tell you no and you have got to be okay with it. Amen. Hey, has anybody else come to this point in your life? And so as I talked about a minute earlier, uh, listen, in my experience, you try the first few years out of just a whole bunch of yes and a whole bunch of doing whatever in the world you want. And then you realize that if you don't start telling yourself no to some things, you're going to stay broke. Yeah? You're going to stay unhealthy. Man, listen. I proposed to Pastor Katie at 18, got married the week that we both turned 19, and lived the first year on Taco Bell, and it was unhealthy for us. Unhealthy. I'm surprised we're still alive, to be honest. Taco Bell, they would go home and we'd eat like a package of Oreos while we watch TV. And it's just, it's by the grace of God that we still stand here today. But somebody, we were adults. No one could tell us no. And then we realized like, man, first of all, we've got no money anymore. And second of all, like, hey, we're sickly. This isn't good. And so you will be better off. Listen, when you can begin to tell yourself, no, you're not going to stay broke. You're not going to stay unhealthy. And another thing I learned is this, that you won't burn every bridge that is placed in your life. An immature person, whenever something happens at work or somewhere else, they get mad, they blow up, they burn the bridge, and then they ruin that relationship and any potential to go back in the future. Right? Hey. I've been there. I remember in college, I was in a situation, I had a job, I was cleaning storage units, uh, self-storage units in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Well, I got mad at the boss. I mean, and, and he was, you know, he got mad at me, and it wasn't pleasant. And so, you know, I willingly ended and terminated the employment. And so I was talking to my dad on the phone. Man, this guy's a jerk. I'm 20 years old. And, and my dad's like, okay, listen, I get that. But my dad said, don't burn the bridge. You have no idea. When you may in life sometime need to cross back over that bridge, just, you know, walk away peacefully. Don't burn that bridge. And I learned that, and I didn't go in and blow up, but I, I, I handled it pretty decently for a 20-year-old. That may be a word for somebody in here today. You're thinking about crossing the bridge, blowing the whole thing up, and then saluting them on the other side. Pump the brakes. Pump the brakes, all right? You may need that again someday, and you just don't want to burn that. Can somebody say amen? All right. Hey, if that's for you, take it. All right. Uh, listen, let's go to Proverbs 25 and verse 28. Can we do that? Proverbs 25 and verse 28. 
But I, I, I know this much, that life was actually a little bit easier when I had somebody else to tell me no for me. And now I've got to, you know, I've got to do a lot of that myself. But that's part of growing up and being mature. Proverbs 25. And we're going to look here at verse 28. And this goes, this is self-control. This is self-control. As a grown-up, and we're specifically discussing spiritually grown-up, but as you grow up spiritually, you've got to have some self-control. You understand that you don't just say everything that pops into your mind, right? Who in here says everything that pops into their mind? Okay, very good. Thank you. Hey, it's okay. Put those hands down. I see that hand. All right? Listen, <laughs> that's not always a good idea. You know, the, in fact, the book of Proverbs says that he who refrains his lips is wise. And it's kept, it can keep you out of a whole lot of trouble, but you've got to tell yourself no to some things that you feel like doing. Proverbs 25 and verse 28, it says, a person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Well, what does that mean? Well, you understand, man, back in the day that this was written, your city better have some walls because you couldn't trust anybody. You couldn't trust the neighboring cities. You, I mean, you needed to have some walls to keep some things out and to protect yourself or you could get wrecked overnight. Now, I like the way the Living Bible says it. Check this out. It says, a man without self-control is as defenseless as a city with broken down walls. Someone that can't control themselves or tell themselves no is defenseless. Never mind protecting yourself from your enemies because honestly, at this point, you might be the enemy of yourself. And nobody wants to hear that, but we're discussing growing up spiritually and just being mature. And so as we grow, we know that we have to be able to tell ourselves no to some things. One of my favorite parts of growing up so far is caring less and less about what other people think about me. Now, I would say, I now speak from experience, it takes until about the age of 35, maybe you reach it earlier, but about that age, I'm like, you know what? I don't even really care anymore. Like, this is great. I can wear socks with flip-flops to the store, and I don't even care. I don't do that, but I'm just saying, if you wanted to do that, you could. And and, and that doesn't even matter. I, I don't care. And, and it's been one of my favorite things. Do you know how much money you save when you stop feeling the need to impress other people? Some of you are there, some of you aren't, it's okay. Or, are, you know, you'll save a lot of money when you don't have to one-up your friends and your neighbors. Like, hey, that's not fair. I just got a new truck last year. Did he have the audacity to get one this year? I'm going to go finance a new one just to beat him. Listen, set yourself free from that. Watch how much money you're going to save. And watch how much freedom you have in your life. Hey, I care more about getting to spend time with my family and go on trips and stuff than I care about having a huge monthly car payment so I can have a better car than what you have. Anybody else reach that? Some have, some have. You know, I was reading from Dave Ramsey this week. He said the top five car brands driven by millionaires, you know, all the young guys that my kids would think, Ferrari, Lamborghini, Maserati. Now the top five car brands driven by millionaires are Toyota, Honda, Ford, Lexus, and Subaru. I love it. 
And so Dave Ramsey said, when people don't waste money trying to look wealthy, they have money to actually become wealthy. Yeah, listen, when you don't have to try to waste money, man, they're going to think this of me if I don't drive this, blah, 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 blah. Who cares? What they don't know is you've got a stockpile in the bank. I'm not preaching about money today because that's not my forte. But what I am saying is this, is when you get to a place where you say, you know what? I don't have to buy that just so everybody else thinks I'm something. What I need to do is get strong spiritually and really become something. I'm going to tell myself no so I can have better later on in life. That's called being a grown-up. And so there's I was reading this study, but delayed gratification is an important key to success in life. What's delayed gratification? That's telling yourself no to something now so you can have better things later on. And so uh, one of the most famous experiments from this came in 1972. That's a while back. It's a few years before I was born, but I heard about it and I read about it. And so this guy named Walter Mitchell studied how young children delayed their gratification. So they did this experiment, and, and so they would take a child from the ages of four to six, and they would offer the child a marshmallow, one marshmallow, but they told the kid, but if you'll wait a few minutes and not eat the marshmallow now, we'll give you two marshmallows in a few minutes if you could wait. So the children varied in their responses. Some kids grabbed it right away. They couldn't wait at all. They took the marshmallow the second that it was available. Other kids tried to resist, but didn't last very long and still took it. But still others waited long enough to get the two marshmallows. They waited a few minutes. So the, the study tracked these kids through high school. Those who could resist simply taking the first marshmallow fared differently from those who simply couldn't wait. They scored higher on the SAT, they did better in school, scored higher on IQ tests, and were more socially competent. And then a follow-up study of the kids in their early 40s found out that the kids that uh, could wait and get two marshmallows a few minutes later, they had much higher incomes, much stronger marriages, and happier careers. The study concluded after like 40 years that self-imposed delay of gratification is a powerful predictor of future success in any endeavor. So can you just wait a little bit longer before you have that thing and do it the, the, you know, the right way? It may take a little bit longer to get there. In fact, there's a great verse in the book of Proverbs that says, The blessing of the Lord will make a person rich. But he adds no sorrow with it. Think about that. That, hey, God's not opposed to you being blessed. God's not even opposed to you being rich. He just doesn't want you to get it a different way. He wants you to be blessed his way. And then there's no sorrow with it. That's good news today. Someone should say amen to that. And so, a mature, grown-up adult, spiritually speaking, or even naturally speaking, they can tell themselves no and deal with it. And I'm going to get to number two, and that's this. They can handle no, number two, from others, from other people. Mature people, grown-ups, they can handle no from other people. Have you found out by now that sometimes in life, you just don't fit in with 100% of the population? Anyone? I mean, if you're liked by everybody, there's something wrong with you. You are weird. Not even Jesus was liked by everybody. 
He had, he had a lot of people that didn't like him. But, you know, you, you, you found out by now that not everybody's going to like you, even if you're super cool like we all know you are. Who in here, you're cool and you're not afraid to admit it. Come on, yeah. Yeah, you're cool, yeah. You're humble and you're proud of it. Come on. Uh, all right, well, humility will be next week's sermon. All right, so no matter how old you are, you'll always want to be liked and accepted, but... Part of growing up is being okay with some rejection and some no from other people. It may stink for a minute, but it doesn't shipwreck you if you're mature. Now, in my life, I used to get really frustrated because I'd go to different conferences and, and ministers get togethers, you know, uh, preachers do that too. And so they get together and I try to make connections with people and try to fit in with, with people. And it always seemed like, like we got a big rejection. And I would walk away from events and conferences just feeling like a real loser and a nobody. You know, I'm like, oh, man, I took the L again. I hate it. I felt so bad. And uh, and, and we, we leave uh, leave from these events just feeling like, man, why does no one want to connect with us? Like, what is it with us? What's wrong with us? And I found out later from a lot of these people, like people that would, you know, sometimes look down on us. You know, I go to events in, you know, Orange County in L.A. They're like, oh, you're from Barstow? God bless you. Like, God bless me, man. I feel sorry for you. I love my life, man. I've got the happiest, best life in the world, and I love where I live. Don't do that to me. Don't do that to me. I love my life. But one thing that I found out is this, is that so many times the people that made us feel less than or not cool, I find out later, like, I'm thinking this is somebody with a 15,000 member church and a worldwide ministry. I'm like, dude, there's, I'm not, you know, I'm say this in a nice way, but like, they made us feel like we were number, and our church is like double or triple the size of theirs. Why do you got to treat us like that? And I know this much in your life, there's people that may try to make you feel like you're a nobody, like you're a less than, and like you don't have as much as them. But if the truth be told, if you can see behind the curtain, you've got a whole lot more than what they have. Yeah. You've got a lot better thing going on, and just people, they're fake a lot of times, and they put up a facade because when they don't have it all together, the only way they can feel like they've got it all together is to make you feel like you're less than. And so it's the strangest thing is that, you know, as years have gone on, the uh, and I've told this, but the main friends that we've been able to make in the ministry world are people that have been very influential, very successful, and just, I mean, just huge people. And I don't say that like in an arrogant way. What I'm saying is this. I was at an event one time, a different event, and uh, I had a good friend, Brian Besser, with me. A lot of you guys know Brian. He's an evangelist. And, uh, and we were talking to someone, a great friend, and I'm like, Brian, it's so weird. Like, all these guys that, you know, the, I try to hang out, they don't want to hang out with me, then like these big people do. And Brian said this, and I, again, I've shared this, but this is for your life too. He's like, have you ever considered that maybe you were born to soar with eagles and not peck with the chickens? 
And maybe in your life, again, there's people like making you feel like you're nothing. Well, listen, I'm not, I'm, we're not saying it in an arrogant way, but maybe they don't get you and maybe they don't accept you because you've been called to a whole higher level than what, than what, you know, what's going on right there. And so if nobody is wanting to accept you, if nobody is, if everybody's saying, no, we don't need you, listen, just go to the next level and soar with the eagles and let the chickens peck the chicken seed. Somebody ought to say amen today in Barstow, California. Amen. But in the Bible, other than Jesus, the best person at dealing with the word no that I've ever seen was a man named Joseph. Anybody heard of Joseph? Let's go to Genesis chapter 45. We'll pick up a couple of verses there. But Genesis 45. And so Joseph, as a young man, he had some really big dreams. And when he shared them with other people, specifically his brothers, they hated him for it. And, you know, in, in their defense, one of his dreams is that they were going to all bow down and beg from him. And, I, you know, listen, if, if that's your dream, uh, don't share that with your siblings. They probably won't enjoy that. But as much as you do, uh, that's just a, you know, a word of wisdom for somebody. But, uh, and it didn't help matters that Joseph was his dad's favorite, all right? And uh, it just, it, it wasn't good. So what his brothers do, I'm just abbreviating the story here very quickly, but his brothers faked his death. And then they sold him into slavery, into a whole different country, into Egypt, right? And so he gets there, he's sold to a man named Potiphar, and then Potiphar's wife accuses him of rape, and then they put him into prison for several years. Well, Joseph was in prison, and he was finally freed when he was able to interpret Pharaoh's dream. Pharaoh's the king. And, uh, and Pharaoh had this dream, and Joseph says, okay, I know what this means. This means there's a famine coming, and, and, and he told them exactly how to handle the dream. And so, sure enough, what happens is this. One day, his brothers, this is 13 years later, he was sold into slavery uh, when he was 17, and then he becomes the vice president of Egypt at the age of 30, all right? So it's a 13-year period of a horrendous life, a bad life. But there's not one recorded instance in those 13 years of Joseph ever complaining, of Joseph ever saying, God, why? Why, God? Or it's their fault. It's his fault. I don't deserve this. I give up on my faith. I walk away. None of that. What did he do? He clung closer to God than ever before. And he kept rising to the top. And so 13 years later, after the most horrendous set of circumstances ever, he makes it out and becomes the vice president of Egypt. And so during the famine, his brothers have to come over there and beg for food. And once you know it, Joseph's in charge of the food distribution. Yeah. And they don't recognize him the first couple of times around. But eventually Joseph's like, I'm going to reveal myself. And so look at this. Genesis chapter 45. I'm going to flip there myself so I can read it. Genesis chapter 45. And verse 3, and I can just imagine, I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall in Egypt that day. This would have been a moment to behold. So Genesis 45 and verse 3, I am Joseph, he said to his brothers. Is my father still alive? But his brothers were speechless. Can you just imagine when he says, I'm Joseph, and their jaws drop? What? 
I mean the fear that had to be flowing through their veins at the moment because Joseph deserved a little payback right there. And he was the man to do it. But look at this. They were stunned to realize that Joseph was standing there in front of them. Please come closer, he said to them. They were probably like, oh, God, <laughs> we're going to die right now. So they came closer, and he said again, I'm Joseph, your brother, whom you sold into slavery in Egypt. Remember me? Well, he didn't say that. I added that. But, you know, just imagine, right? Verse 5. But don't be upset. And don't be angry with yourselves for selling me to this place. It was God who sent me here ahead of you to preserve your lives. Can you imagine, after he said that last sentence, the feeling of relief that must have gone through their veins? That is not the reaction that they were expecting. And so Joseph saw this whole bad set of circumstances that had been thrown upon him, he's like, you know what? It's okay. They hated me. They rejected me. They told me no. But in the end, God wins because now I'm going to save their lives and I'm going to save my whole family out of this thing. Wow. What an attitude to have. Look at verse 8. Joseph continues. He says, so it was God who sent me here, not you. Yeah, yeah. He's like saying, hey, don't, don't pat yourselves on the back. Hey, God had a hand in all this. And he is the one who made me an advisor to Pharaoh, the manager of his entire palace, and the governor of all Egypt. Come on. Look at this. Verse 15. Skip down a few more verses. Verse 15. Then Joseph kissed each of his brothers and wept over them. And after that, they began talking freely with him. What a beautiful story. Now, I want to go on the record to say that I would never kiss any of my brothers, but at the same time, you know, or any other dude, but at the same time, I will say this much. What a beautiful story, because all throughout this, he kept getting rejection and more bad news, one thing after another, but he didn't give up on God. And he didn't let it get to his heart. What did he do? He guarded his heart like Proverbs 4.23 says. We talked about that Wednesday. And so I'm going to tell you this morning that sometimes man's no is actually God's yes. Sometimes people's no in your life is actually God's yes. Someday you're going to see that the no you got from certain people was really a blessing in disguise. I mean, hey, how many people in here are glad that you didn't end up marrying the person you had a crush on in junior high? You've seen them now, you know? They're, 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 oh, anyway, you know, listen, it's a good thing they said no. Because now, hey, you won, man. You've got a good spouse and all that. You've got a good family. So I'm grateful for some of the no's and rejections that I got earlier on because it has opened up incredible doors and opportunities for me at this point in my life. I thank God for a lot of those no's, and I thank him for his yes. Amen. And the third thing today is this. We're talking about being a grown-up, being spiritually mature. Number three, you can handle no from God. Now, I'm going to break this open a little bit because, um, listen, sometimes God does tell us no, but it's probably not in the way that you're thinking or maybe the way you were taught. And I want to say this, that if there's anything that's a promise of God in the Bible... And if you qualify spiritually, the answer is yes. The answer is yes. 
You know, someone would think like, man, I just want peace in life and maybe God just doesn't want me to have any peace. Maybe maybe he's telling me, no, that I want you to live with anxiety, stress and depression and to hate your life. Maybe that's what God said. God wouldn't say something like that. The Bible says otherwise. Come on, Philippians 4, 6, and 7 says to not worry about anything, but instead pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank Him for what He's done. And then you will experience the peace of God, which by far it surpasses all of our understanding. It's a fruit of the Spirit. Who in here knows that God wants you to have peace? He's not going to tell you no on that. You aren't going to have to do it his way. You're not going to find peace out in the club. Okay, but all right, let's try something else. Uh, you're not going to, uh, what else we got? Uh, I don't know, but listen, you may be looking for, God, why don't you give me no peace? Well, listen, there may be some changes that need to be made on the pathway to peace, but I'm telling you now, it is the will of God for you to have the peace of God and the joy of the Lord, but you're going to do it His way. Amen? So that's not a no from God. That's just saying, I want you to have it, but there's a right way to get it. If you need guidance in life, do you know that as a Christian, you shouldn't wander around confused, lost? aimless, purposeless, you should have direction in your life and know what your goals are and where you're going. You know that, right? Well, yeah, but I just don't know if God wants me to have direction. I don't know if he wants me to know where I'm going. Why would you say something like that? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says to trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And what will happen? He will direct your paths. He doesn't want you to be lost. The answer is yes. I will give you direction and guidance, but trust in me with all your heart. Lean not into your own understanding. And so God is not going to say no to something he already promised to you so long as you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, especially spiritually. Does everybody get that today? In fact, just write this verse down, but you better know it. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says, All of God's promises are yes and amen. Well, God promised this, but I don't know if he wants me to have it. His promises are yes and amen. It's hard being the only one excited in church some weeks. I'm just going to tell you, you know, don't feel bad for me, but it's hard, you know. Go home and I want to take a nap. So, uh, all right, so, so when... Does God say no to us? I'm going to give you a few times that God would say no to us. And this will be on the screen. It's not on your handout because I thought, man, they could probably write this down if they're, you know, that grown. So when does God say no to us? Well, you know, there's some times. One area is when you're asking for something that's not in line with his word. When you're asking for something that is not in line with the word of God. Brother Hagin told this story about a guy that came up to him, and he's like, this guy's like, man, I'm praying for this lady over here to be my wife. I really believe that she's the one. Will you pray for me? And, and Brother Hagin said, no. Well, why not? Well, she's married to that guy right over there. I'm not going to pray for that. <laughs> yeah, but in my heart. Man, your heart is screwed up. You need some healing in that heart because that's not the will of God. I'll tell you that right now. All right? 1 John 5, 14 and 15. Let's go. 1 John 5. 14 and 15. Is anyone learning anything today? 
Do you feel like you're growing up just a little bit? All right. That's the goal. All right. First John 5. Going to look at verses 14 and 15 in the New King James. First John 5, 14 and 15. Man, this is a beautiful promise from the word of God. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to what we really want, no, according to his will, he hears us. And so I run into religious people from time to time and would read a verse like that. And they'll say, yeah, anything according to his will. But no one can really know what the will of God is. So what about that? I'm like, have you ever read the Bible? His word is his will. It's his testament. The Old Testament, the New Testament, that's his will. And so if it says, hey, that my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus, it's the will of God. If it says in 3 John 2, beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper to me and help even as thy soul prospers, then it's the will of God. Now, yeah, I'm trying to be the next great white rapper because there's a shortage right now, so. This is one of those days where I'm going to get letters and emails about how stupid I was. But it's okay. I can handle your no if God says yes. So, so when you're asking for something that is not in line with his will, the answer is going to be no. Well, why, God? I really want her. I really want that. Well, read the Bible. and It's a, it's a clear no. All right. Wait, I didn't read verse 50, did I? And if we know that he hears us. Whatever we ask for, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. And so if it's in line with his will, which is his word, amen, and we've got the faith, hey, and we're living like he says to live, you can have it. It's a yes and an amen, but otherwise, it's a no. How, here's another instance where God may tell you no. How about when you're asking for something that's going to hurt you? Survey says... Good answer, good answer. Come on, it's like family feud, even if it was a bad answer, you clap, all right? And so I know that there's been times when I've been asking for something that wasn't necessarily a sin. Listen, I've asked for some things that wasn't necessarily a sin, but I wasn't mature enough to handle it at the time. And so, again, I just keep referring to money for some strange reason today, but if you're asking God for a million dollars, it's not a sin to be a millionaire. But it's dangerous to be a millionaire if you can't handle that type of responsibility. For most people, all right, let's just be honest with ourselves. If he dumped out a million dollars into your lap this week, you would have spent two million by the end of the week. Right? You'd be in worse shape than you were beforehand. And so the will of God is, there's some great things he wants you to have. But if he knows that you're going to wreck yourself with it. The answer is no for now. Well, you know, you grow up, you get some roots, you lay a foundation, you mature a little bit, and then that'd be a great thing for you to have. But he knows that sometimes you would cause more harm in your life than good if you've got exactly everything right now. And I know from being a parent, there's some things, man, that the kids have wanted since they were little, they don't get it until they're older because they couldn't handle it. And each kid is different. There's some things that I want some of my kids have at the age of 10. The others can't have until they're a little bit beyond that. Because I know that they're not at the same maturity level, even though they're the same age. And you may be sitting in church that you're like, well, how come they got their blessing and I've been here for 16 years? 
Well, they, they may have matured a lot quicker. I don't know. But hey, only God knows that. That's between them and God. But I'm just saying, he knows what's good for us. And if something's going to hurt Chase as a good father, he's going to say no. Here's another one. How about when he has a different plan than what you have? He may have to tell you no. You may have a plan that really sounds great in your mind. But in the end, it's not a good thing. It's, he has something even better for you. Proverbs 19.21. Proverbs 19.21. Now, you know, there's a lot of people that when you were a certain age, when you were a kid, right? You, you had a plan for your life. You're like, man, this is what I'm going to be. This is what I'm going to do. And aren't you glad that really something even better happened with your life? Anyone? Yeah. I mean, it turned out even better when he let, when his plan came to pass in your life. Proverbs 19 and verse 21. And I love this, man. This right here, this is a verse of spiritual maturity. And this is a verse that grown up adult Christians can handle. It says, you can make many plans. Go ahead. That's fine. But the Lord's purpose will prevail. It's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. And I found out that most of the time we ask God to bless what we are doing when we should be seeking to do what he's blessing. Yeah? Like, hey God, just so you know, I'm going to do this over here. Put your blessing on it. What? It's like a, a kid that, that goes ahead and does it and asks for permission later because, because it's easier to ask for forgiveness than permission. Well, that's going to be a dangerous way to live your life. And so a mature Christian prays, Lord, what is your will? What is it that you're blessing and that you're calling me to here in life right now? And that's the will of God in our life. I heard a story from Pastor Jim Cobray down in San Bernardino. He he uh, retired and uh, and he opened up a construction company. And he wasn't doing the construction work himself. He just managed it. He said his first year he profited several hundred thousand dollars. This is like less than five years ago. Just straight profit. He's like, all right, this is cool. He said the Lord spoke to him one day and said, what are you doing? I'm making a ton of money. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> and God said, I didn't tell you to do that. Give it give it back. He's like, what? Give it back. Give it back and do what I actually told you to do at this season in your life. So he literally, he said, he had to give away several hundred thousand dollars. He just gave it, gave it away to different things and what until it was gone. And then he started doing what the Lord told him to do in this season of life. So some people are like, ah, listen, I know, man, maybe God said this, but I'm rolling in it right now. So who cares? It's a dangerous way to live your life. It's a lot better to please the Father and get success His way than get temporary false success your own way. So you can make many plans, but it's the Lord's purpose that will prevail. And then the last thing I'm going to say today is this. When might God say no? When it's not his timing. And this isn't so much of a no as it is, uh, hold on, you're just not just yet. As we talked about a few minutes ago, Joseph had the dream as a 17-year-old that his brothers would be bowing down and coming to him for help. He thought that was going to happen next week. 
They didn't. It, it, it happened 13 years later when he was 30. Listen to me. The dream still happened, but it just looked different than what he originally thought. Now, some of you have dreams, even dreams from God, that you just assume, well, this ain't ever going to happen, or, well, I, I'm, I'm just going to give up on this. But listen, the dream, hey, it, it's still going to happen, or maybe it has happened. It just looks different or came in a different way than what you picture. Now, I'm going to explain something that happened in our life. And so when I was a kid, we, we had a church in Indiana, a small little town in Indiana. And so we always had, my dad had this vision and dream of having a church right next to the freeway with a big old cross on it. Well, some things happened and we were no longer in Indiana. And so, you know, we, we moved and, uh, you know, mom and dad came here to Barstow from there and, and took this church and, and whatnot. And I, and I had thought about it for years, like, that was really a big deal. You know, we, we talked about it and thought about it. And, uh, we, you know, we were going to have a church right on Highway 37 with a big old cross on the top. People were going to drive by and then, you know, seek the Lord. It was going to be great. And we're like, man, it never happened. Well, a few years ago, I don't know why, but it's just out of nowhere. It comes back to me like, hold on, wait a minute. Big church, big property, one of the largest freeways in the United States, and a giant LED cross that you can see in Dagger. Like, you know, around the world. So the dream did happen. It just looks different than what we originally thought. And so I'm like, man, and isn't it, isn't it like God to do so much better than what you even imagined with it? I just, for the sake of it, looked up some statistics. That little highway in Martinsville, Indiana, about 10,000 cars drive by per day. I looked up the Caltrans stats just two days ago. 99,000 cars a day drive by the old Highway 58 exit right here every day in Barstow. How many more people? How about the bigger reach? There's a great man that comes to church here on Sunday nights. A lot of you don't know him. Maybe you should come on Sunday nights. Anyway, so this man from Victorville, he was driving. Uh, to, he, he drives to Yermo. He's an older man. But, well, eight months ago, he stops in the church and he's like, there's a church here? I was just driving down the freeway and I saw this giant lit up cross and I was like, hey, I love Jesus. So he pulled in. This man comes every Sunday night. He's like 80 years old from Victorville because he saw a cross. And that just makes me so happy to know, thank you, Jesus. The dream wasn't forsaken. You didn't, you know, you didn't give up on it. It still happened. It looks a little different, but it looks a whole lot better than what we ever even imagined. And so as we grow up spiritually, we're going to get to a place where we can tell ourselves no on some things. And wait for some things, right? Anyone? Yeah? You can handle it when other people are like, nah, I don't know. And people know and reject you sometimes, and that's okay. They rejected Jesus. They rejected Peter and Paul and John and James and Bartholomew and Thomas and all the boys. But guess what? They were okay. Because, listen, even though man said no, God said yes. And sometimes God will tell us no on something because he's got something a whole lot bigger and better for us. You just got to be patient and wait to see what it is. Amen. Hallelujah. God's good. Let's go ahead. And we're going to close down right there. Amen. Well, I'm going to ask us to stand up together today. Praise the Lord.
God sure is good. And today the biggest thing that we could ever take care of is giving you the chance to say yes to him today. Because you're like, well, I've never said yes, but I've never said no. Well, uh, if you never said yes, you've made your choice and you've said no. There's no in-between ground. It's a yes or it's a no. And it's so important for us to have a point in our lives where we definitively said yes to Jesus. In fact, we're getting ready to baptize a bunch of people. And I'm thrilled there's like 10 little kids getting baptized. That's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And I love that. But this is people that have said yes to Jesus, and now they're doing it publicly. But I want to give you a chance today. I want to pray with you. And if you're here, and man, maybe you never really uh, had a relationship with Jesus, or maybe you did at one point, but you just kind of let go and walked away. Well, I always remind you, hey, we're not here to judge you for that. We're not here to, you know, give you a hard time on that. We're here to say, hey, let's fix it. This is the best chance you'll ever have. To say yes to Jesus. I'm going to tell you that right now. You're in a, a, a loving place with people that are cheering for you. With people that, uh, that that are on your side. And so don't wait for a better chance because it's never going to come. Today's the day of salvation. And so I want to say a prayer together today. And really, really give you that chance to say yes. Because nothing else goes right until you get step number one taken care of. Can we bow our heads and close our eyes together today? And I want to lead you in this prayer. Could you say this with me? Father, in Jesus' name, I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe that he died and that he rose again. Jesus, forgive me for anything wrong I've done. Give me the strength to live for you. My life is yours. I am brand new. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can we give the Lord some praise today? Hallelujah. Listen, if you're here, this is my friend Jose right over here with his hand raised real high. Uh, Jose is in charge of our program called Spiritual Personal Trainer. If you have started a relationship with Jesus today, or maybe you're like, hey, I could use a little help, to be honest, on on the journey. Uh, We've got a program called Spiritual Personal Trainer where we would connect you with somebody else from church that uh, they'll pray for you every day. They will text you a Bible verse and a devotion. You can ask them questions. You can just get some help to get started. It's a 30-day thing. It's not invasive. It's not getting all up into your business. It's just helping you to get on the right track. If you're interested in that, I ask you to go see Jose. He's going to be right over here. He'll get your information and we will connect you with somebody that can help you and mentor you over the next month. That's a pretty good deal right there. It's not going to cost you anything. Amen? So that's good. All right, I'm going to have my prayer team come up together this morning. If you are here and you need prayer for anything at all, we want to be in agreement with you for the Lord to work and move on your behalf in your situation. Uh, So this is prayer time. I'm going to go get ready for baptisms for a few minutes, so I'm going to sneak off. Stick around, please, everybody. We're going to be baptizing several people here in a few minutes, and we want you to rejoice with us and with them. If you need prayer, come on up. And if not, I ask, so this isn't the time to start texting your friends or post on Instagram. This is the time to uh, be reverent and talk to the Lord if you need to or, or do some praying on your own right where you're at. But let's take just a few minutes here for the Lord today. Amen. Let's go. You are here 
Thank mm-hmm. you. 
Amen. That upon the confession of your faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. Do you remember doing that? Anyway, he got baptized. That was so proud. Uh, 